0: Welcome to Scientific Imagination. My name is Sabine Winters and I will be your host. My guest in this podcast is Dr. Christina Saga. Christina is a transdisciplinary designer and assistant professor at the Human Dissented Design Group and at the Design Lab at the University of Trento. Christina fosters epistemological and methodological change in the design of human-agent relations towards social justice, post-human feminist and relational ethics-oriented way of practicing research. To this end, she develops transdisciplinary and more-than-human methods, tools and techniques to mitigate and overcome the current dehumanizing and oppressive effects of AI and embodied AI technology. Together with colleagues of the Design Lab of the University of Trento, she co-develops Responsible Futuring, a transdisciplinary approach to tackle societal challenges and futures in collaboration with communities. Within this line of research, Christina focuses on methods and tools to make thoughts, ideas and reflections from concrete to tangible through visual scenarios and prototypes and, in doing so, supporting collective reflection and status quo challenging her research main fields of applications are for example reproductive care and motherhood and the future of work her award-winning research in human robot interaction and transdisciplinary design has received many accolades such as the google woman Techmaker scholar of 2018 and the nwo diversity equity and inclusion award for project network on social justice and embodied AI. Christina's design artifacts have been exhibited internationally at conferences and design weeks such as the Dutch Design Week in 2018, 20 2020, and 22. She's regularly invited as a speaker at events such as symposia and conferences and TETX shows. Furthermore, Christina is regularly publishing in top tier conference venues. Welcome to Scientific Imagination. I'm really excited having you here. I've been following you for quite a while. How are you? How, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> Thank you, Sabine. So I'm so excited to be here. I think we mutually followed each other and i have been fascinated by all the work that you have done with Scientific Imagination and also with Future Based. So it's fantastic that we got the chance to, to chat.
0: Event. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the enthusiasm is mutual. Just as a starter, because we will dive into your profession and your work and mainly focus on the role of imagination. How would you finish the following sentence? AI fascinates me because...
1: Yes, AI fascinates me because it's a mirror of our society. Mm. So it's a tool, I believe, and... It can be used for outcomes in society, but we also need to be very careful because it's a powerful tool. And when we talk about power, we need to take into account the power structures that are, you know, behind us and that actually guides us. Yeah. Therefore, for me it's also exciting to to find a way through AI to Critique society, find the values that we actually want to bring forward and eventually make a positive impact in society. So I think it's a fascination that is not only with the tools and the technical possibilities, but also with the social impact and the socio-technical entanglements that it brings about.
0: Yes, exactly. Regarding the social impact, you're a public speaker Mm -hmm. and researcher and maker of robot things. Mm -hmm. What sparks your enthusiasm or what is the urgency or the drive behind what you are doing?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I chose purposefully to steer away from techno-solutionism and technology for technology's sake, which is something that sometimes happens when you work in highly engineering fields. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it's like bad or wrong or anything else, but just for me, it was like I know that all this work that we're doing in computer science, and that's why I was making robots and, and etc. and in engineering is has the potential to support us, but I thought that we really needed to steer away from certain ways of working and go towards ways of working that put at the center societal challenges, which mm-hmm. is a bit of a buzzword nowadays, like yeah, let's tackle societal challenges because... <sighs> these of the un and things like that but at the end of the day the point is that i believe in a social engaged way to do science and research and to develop technology and i really want to find a way to actually do it so to find methods tools techniques processes to do that trying to avoid to patronize society and to and to use a bit that kind of you know messiah perspective Mm -hmm. on society so that's what I what is in for me and what drives me in general Mm -hmm. and that's why I purposefully chose to stay in academia which of course the there are many ups and downs in in that field but I, I do believe that especially being an academic in Europe serving the, the people that are paying taxes to for my research to actually happen by bringing about methods, tools, techniques, practices that will actually tackle what is important for us at this very moment and what would have an impact in the near future. That's what I really want to do. And that's what drives me every day.
0: Wow. And can you mention examples of projects that you have been doing?
1: Yeah, fantastic. So just to to talk about the robot things, for example, just to, because it might sound a bit strange, what is this? Why there's yet another name for robots. During my PhD, I worked on projects that were focused on developing robotic devices for kids. Yes. To support kids in their everyday life. And I, I thought that we started from the wrong premises. And it was not just my feeling, but it was a feeling that was dictated by what was happening in the experiments I was doing. And at the beginning, we wanted to try, for example, to see whether a robot could be either a tutor or a friend and support kids in their playing activities that and support them in like collaborating more, or sharing more, or being helpful with each other. And what I noticed when we went in to, to see whether actually that was the case, is that when you use a humanoid robot that is imbued with a lot of human-like behaviors, human-like uh, personalities, mm-hmm. you create a sort of deception that takes away from the naturally occurring dynamics of learning that children have in, in social interactions. And there were also other issues that emerged, such as that the children were not really understanding what was this thing. They absolutely understood that it was not as intelligent as they thought it was. So they were actually abusing the robot. And it. Exactly, and by the fact that it was hinting at human likeness, they were also applying their biases about people onto the robot. So they were actually saying something like, "Hmm, this robot doesn't talk very well, so maybe is an immigrant." So, it, oh,
0: yeah,
1: and things like this. And this is really not what I wanted to hear because we were practically creating more issues <laughs> than we wanted to to solve. Therefore, I took a step a step back. And I have started to, to try to reframe what does that mean to have robotic devices for the support of social learning for kids. And to do that, I decided to step away from the back then current practice that was like engineers and computer science and psychologists decide what is good. But I went with the kids and the, and the teachers in their context, in their ecologies, and, and eventually, instead of having like this kind of humanoid robot that you might recognize from consumer products or from various media news, I I went back and I and I thought about that toys are actually the best way for kids to involve in their developmental gene, which is play, and yes. maybe uh, enhancing toys with a, a little bit. Just a little bit of of robotics, so being able to move around and maybe sense the environments could be something more interesting rather than having a robot that tells them what to do and what to say. Yeah. Right.
0: Exactly. Yes. And this project, if I remember co- correctly, was your own words, some sort of rude awakening that technology is not neutral, right? And it led. You to, to, it led you to construct six principles for responsible technology. Yeah,
1: indeed. And that brought me towards really reframing from just, again, technology for technology's sake towards a more engaged and responsible way to do technology. And also, it brought me towards perspectives such as it's yet another mouthful of a word, transdisciplinarity, which I can yeah. explain a bit more, and, and also post human feminist perspectives. And all of these are really complicated words, but eventually they boil down to transdisciplinary research is practically an engaged way to do research. So you you start from the actual challenges and you go beyond the disciplinary silos and just like the scientific perspective to really serve society. Mm-hmm. And you take into account not only the knowledge that comes from academia or industry, but also the experiential knowledge from people and maybe the indigenous knowledge and the more like the the less like rational knowledge and you bring it in, in your in your project to to wave it in various flows of mutual learning between people and just technologies, industry and etc. While the post-feminist views practically go against that vision in which just like the, the male cisgender Western European person is at the center, yes. and all the all the rest is considered non-human and marginalized, while I, I see it more like in a, in an ecosystem in which, uh, the various ways of being human and artificial entities, natural entities such as plants or or nature or whatever, are all in a relation that we need to take into account when we work. And it sounds very abstract, but this is something that just is just a compass that guides yeah, exactly. what I'm doing. And for example, just to explain a project that is completely different from that, I have just worked a Dutch designer, Lisa Mandemacher, on. Oh yeah, I, yes. And we worked together at the design lab and I brought in the responsible future in perspective that I have together with her experience in design for debate to create an exposition in which we are trying to go towards making people to think about the future of reproduction, specifically the future of artificial reproduction. And and she created, through this collaboration, a fantastic installation in which we make people think about how about, instead of thinking about artificial reproduction, such as artificial wombs or, or things like that, how about thinking to go back to nature and what would that mean to have artificial and natural relations when we think about reproducting. And it turned out to be an installation that was exhibited at the Dutch Design Week in which you see this big artificial womb monument and then you you walk in it and you are confronted with the stories of past gestations. And by that type of speculative provocation you are you are brought to a reflection about what we value, what do we think about, when do we think about being born and 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 being developed and things like that. And it sounds like something that doesn't have to do with technology and something that is just merely speculative, but I believe that those type of projects can really help us to create community engagement and and, sh- and shift the societal debate and eventually help us get the insights that we need to come back in the now and then influence how technology is being and which values are embedded and and so on. So that's those are the kind of projects I'm excited to do nowadays.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And this project with Lisa also got a lot of attention on international media I will post a link so people can can find it easily to circle back to AI as a mirror. Mm -hmm. uh, In this kind of projects, you use the imagination to provide people with speculative situations. And these again functions as as mirrors to look at ourselves right now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What role does imagination fulfill when it comes to your profession? Would it be like? have this solely this mirror function, which is already very rich, but does it also fulfill another function?
1: Yes, I think imagination for in my profession, and in general, in what I'm doing, is a a reflexive as a reflexive function. So it makes you reflect about a topic that could be, for example, reproduction, or it could be education, or it could be solidarity and care you name it, but it also supports the collective reflection with various stakeholders because it helps and ease out the conversations that you can have through Mm -hmm. collective imagination practices. And eventually imagination to me is a generative device because it helps to visualize ideas, perspectives, values, even biases. And by that means we can actually tackle them
0: Yeah, more, I believe. Yeah, it brings into our our awareness biases by -hmm. reflecting on the imagination or what we imagine together. Yeah. Mm, Is there a distinct role of, or maybe a distinct definition that you could make between the role of imagination and what creativity entails?
1: Yeah, so I think creativity in general, it's the way I see it, creativity is part of many many processes of the human life so many people are creative even if they do not realize right so when you are when you are doing problem solving and you find a way to make it a bit Quicker or faster is already creativity. But that, I think, is broader than imagination. Imagination is something that really taps into the way we make sense of the world and the way we use the, the abilities of making sense to also imagine something else.
0: Yeah. So it's used to build worlds of imagination. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So I indeed it's a word being building activity, both that it could be done both visually or even with any other sense, like with audio or anything else. So creativity to me is more of cognitive and sensorial device that we use to to do problem solving or to bring about ideas. Etc. While imagination is really a world-building device and a reflexive device, even if we do not sometimes think about that in a clear way, so even if it remains quite uh, implicit and tacit as a as a process.
0: Yeah, exactly. And nowadays we are talking about AI being creative and sometimes even about AI having imagination. I think that this discussion on definitions becomes more urgent because of what we are ascribing to AI and not reflecting enough, in my opinion, on the power structures behind it. What is your take on this? Is AI, for example, creative? Does it possess imagination?
1: Well, I do think that AI is, with the word of, of Hebrew, like stochastic, is a stochastic parrot when it does things so it simply brings together what already exists and, and mesh it out mm-hmm. right which could be part of creativity into some extent so i'm not i would not say that ai is not creative if we take it in the stricter sense of making sense of what is there and try to you know mesh it out in a new way that can be done but because it can be made discrete in an algorithm yeah but I would argue that imagination has given that it has this reflexivity facet in which you also need to really go deep into your senses and to tap into your own history of experiences and and relations. I don't think that this is something that AI can do also because, I mean, the power of AI is, I mean, AI is dumb. I'm sorry, I will be very blunt. AI is a dumb <laughs> device that is that uses the data that we give to return us an output mm. or that AI brings already exists, yes, right? It's okay. just a mashup, and indeed, for that reason, I think that mesh could be deemed to be creative, but I would argue that it's not imaginative because AI doesn't have a body, it doesn't have experiences, it doesn't have social relations,
0: yeah. So, you would say that experiences are. Key for having imagination,
1: absolutely, and senses like being in a body that has senses. Which, of course, you could argue, yeah, but AI could have a body and AI could have senses mm-hmm. very well. But they, the what we, what AI does not have is the awareness of these senses and the recordings of these senses and the uh, conscious of the senses, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it does not relate because it might relate to other devices to in terms of communication but it does not establish relations and it does not have history
0: a, a deeply philosophical question would we recognize ai becoming conscious and being able to reflect upon its own experiences
1: that's a good question um i don't think that that will ever happen okay about ai in general because hmm. I think consciousness is something that eludes humans as well we don't know what it is there is not a, a good, we don't have a good grasp of what it is therefore we will never be able to reproduce that into a machine if we do not know yeah. what it is yeah. and already i believe we are we are hyping ourselves about artificial intelligence in terms of being able to reproduce human intelligence while i I always say that what is reproduced there is a mere fraction of what intelligence is. And all also just a mere fraction of some parts of intelligence of humans and non-humans. But intelligence is is something very complex and and I think consciousness we really do not know what it is. So I don't think we're gonna arrive there because we cannot replicate it.
0: Okay, thank you. And you were talking also about hyping and that through this hyping, we maybe ascribe like some form of consciousness to AI or imagination that is not really there. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking about hyping, another buzzword is innovation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when it comes to imagination and AI, in what way could it in a sustainable and responsible way accelerate innovation?
1: I mean, I think it depends on what we mean by innovation, which (laughs) is, it's also a word. So if we take innovation as the canonical uh, term for saying, going forward with progress, which is a very positivistic perspective, like that we're always going to get better. So to say, I think we might want to drop that idea of innovation because we will eventually are we are, we are going to destroy the world in that way because we cannot continually grow, 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 and grow and, and reach massive powers or massive spaces because we don't have any. Yeah. yeah. With that said, I think hmm. AI can support some of our processes if we understand what are the important needs for society for example it could help us in in healthcare we had just a big crisis in healthcare could it help us in crunch a lot of data and and bring algorithm that could fasten up certain processes and fasten up certain responses to provide care yes it could it's absolutely it could be absolutely fantastic but then we need to be very careful in thinking about how do we do that? What kind of power would it bring in? What kind of values are we bringing in? So the point is, AI can help us. Absolutely. There's no, there's no, I think it's, it's true. It's something that can help us, but it needs to be used very carefully as a tool and not as the mean, oh, okay, um, right, to, to go forward. And the point is, I think we need to, to first shift some narratives. Like it's not that AI in itself is going to make everything better. Mm. Humans need to change their practices and use AI as a tool, and yeah. not use AI as the, the ultimate goal for innovation. So that's why I'm, I'm very, I'm very careful of certain narratives that are now common that relates to transhumanism, and yet again, a difficult word. Yeah, but, uh, transhumanism. Practically sees the the human as simply flawed, and technology as a savior for to save the human from this flawness. Yes, uh, to augment us and to finally let us be what we should be. And I think this is, and I think, and not only me, many others also think that this is one of the most scary positions there could be, because it 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 shifts the focus from the natural to the artificial as being what we actually need, whereas I believe we need to take care of the natural and maybe support it with our artificial tools rather than thinking about enhancing what is there.
0: Yeah. So for example, thinkers like Nick Bostrom, Mm -hmm. uh, they argue that technology and transhumanism is just a next step in in evolution, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And, and I believe that Bostrom even said that it's our moral duty or responsibility to enhance human beings through technology. So you would argue that he sees technology as an an end goal and, and not as a tool, right? Indeed,
1: indeed. And also what what we don't know yet, and I mean, we might know, <laughs> but what we don't know yet, I think that without our natural ecosystems, mm-hmm we might not be able to be here and, yeah. and survive so i'm not very looking forward a full anthropocene
0: no no i i'm with you there <laughs> yes and
1: therefore i think that transhumanism is a narrative that is not helping us yeah and and here for example i see the role of imagination being really potent because it can help us find reframe narratives that might actually align more with the plurality of voices that are in the world. Also because I would like to mention that I mean, I assume that both me and you come from the Western societies. Yes. And we we hold certain positions of privilege and also some positions of marginalization because it's always it's never one-sided. But typically these narratives of transhumanism or even long-termism so this idea that we should think about the long, long term and not really care if now we are suffering a bit with technology, who cares? We're just going towards better things in the future. So all these type of uh, perspectives, narratives, even philosophy, if I might extend it to that. So these ideas all come from the Western hemisphere mm-hmm. and from the Western societies. And there I believe that we have epistemological arrogance in thinking yeah. that we need to impose the the development of the world through this lens to many other people and and many other ecosystems that have a completely different way of thinking about being in the world and relating with each other. And I mean by that, that there are also indigenous philosophies and Eastern philosophies and perspectives. They are the representation of voices and experiences and and histories that we are obliterating.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you because in philosophy, I mainly got taught why male western thinkers Mm -hmm. so i just recently bought a book it's called philosophy of the science and kyoto school which is focused on the non-western or japanese epistemology so i'm trying to educate myself but i completely align with you on this point so If I understand you correctly, you want to bring through imagination and through speculative design new narratives for a more plural version of the future. Correct. That's the idea, but also,
1: and that's why at the design level of the the University of Twente, where I work half of my time, Mm -hmm. I'm co-developing Responsible Futuring, which Ah. is an approach that... uh, have this as one of the of the scope of the scopes that he has because what we want to do is to actually use transdisciplinary practices and future thinking speculation critical design Mm -hmm. to to support multi-stakeholder processes that can reflect onto societal challenges and and picture uh Plural futures that are the expression of an in depth reflection about socio technical implications, socio economical implications, power dynamics, and et cetera. Or really simple things like how do we deal with the water rising? Or how do we deal? I mean, it's not simple, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Things that are more mundane than just going up in the air with the.
0: Exactly, that uh, are happening right now. So, exactly. yeah, yes and when diving into the these problems or uh, searching for solutions or searching for new for the future i can imagine that wonderment plays a very big role in your work could you elaborate on the role of wonderment and how it's related to imagination for you
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think that that actually circles back to the fact that We are human immersed in a specific ecosystem in the world Mm
0: -hmm. and really
1: being able to sometimes step back, listen, be immersed in nature in or in just like our artificial settings like the city or whatever. All those things are incredibly inspiring and are fueling how we build worlds, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's an incredible privilege to be able to do that because in a capitalistic society is really hard to find the time to dedicate to wonder and wonderment. And in a and and to and maybe also to go towards serendipity. Which ah yeah part of of wonderment in my opinion so there is this idea that you always need to be productive yeah, and yeah. always need to be able to to have a side hustle or something like that because otherwise you are not you're not valuable for society while i always go back to what i've been told in my education that was done primarily in italy so i actually studied a lot of latin authors and seneca was saying that mm-hmm. So, being like just doing nothing, la nuit in French, is fantastic because it's the thing that helps you generate, regenerate your your mind to think about something that is not there. I don't remember the name, but there was a fantastic author from the US that had a sort of initiative to to do nothing. The NAP Ministry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that is a, it's a resolution that we should all make, but it's really hard to do it in a capitalistic society. So I don't want to sound too engaged against capitalism, yeah. right? So so I think that being very much aware of the socioeconomical structures that are drivers of our being in the world is also important, to being able eventually to make space for wonderment, for more ennui, and and being able to, to find the, the necessary space to reflect on what what is there that is beautiful, what it needs to be cherished, and what and what are the values we we need to really bring for our future.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you. And To get back to the responsible design as well, when it comes to wonderment and taking time to do nothing and getting insights through doing nothing of what is meaningful, what is living a meaningful life. Correct me if I'm wrong, but AI is often very much focused on productivity. So how could we use then imagination and wonderment as a tool to think about AI in a more responsible, maybe non-efficient way.
1: It's a fantastic question that you are asking me because one side project of mine that I have never been able to make to to actually make happen is to work on poetic robots. Ah, wow! Robots that are they do not have any function whatsoever. They're useless completely, a bit like useless machines. Yes. From uh, from Bruno Munari. But I think that by making those robots, for example, with with other people, even just like this so-called lay people, just us, would help us in make us reflect about the values that we are embedding in these types of devices and also to make us think about the responsibility of eventually shaping the life of other people through these devices. Hmm. I always... And I'm talking about robots because it's what I know most in, term of A- in terms of AI. Not all robots are imbued with AI, by the way, but I have worked mainly on social robots or robots that wish to be social so that they have communication abilities and they use sensors and data to exchange conversations or exchange actions or provide companionship. And these type of robots are potentially quite interesting but again they bring about strong values from the people that are making them yeah and they also bring some norms Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and by norming the space of the people that they use it they could be very irresponsible yeah so sometimes using speculative design and designing robots that are Completely the opposite, so completely useless and and maybe sim- simply aesthetic devices could help us in reflecting about what we are doing, on the other hand, with the robots that we wish to to include in everyday life of people. And for just to give a concrete example, I'm thinking about robots that are designed for elderly people to, for example, support their routine or make them has more or things like that. Mm-hmm. And there is a value there because sometimes, you know, you need certain uh, cognitive device to remember to take your medicines or to remember to go to the doctor is absolutely wonderful and we need them. But you also are norming the way you should be as a older adult.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. And you're Maybe making them feel patronized or paternalized, like mm-hmm. that they cannot take care of themselves. So here is a robot because I don't have time for, for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And all these type of things, I've never thought about it myself, but through taking perspectives and maybe using speculation to see this type of tensions in, in well-meaning devices, that could help us very much into going towards what is called responsible design.
0: Yeah. And if you are thinking about like, I wanted to ask you about what are the most pressing issues that you want to work on in projects, Mm -hmm. Uh, what would be the most inspiring projects that you aim for? I would argue
1: that something that we did not discuss is really more on the on. at the top of my list of things I really need to do, which has to do with how to wave in social justice in the Uh development of AI.
0: Yeah.
1: It has been shown by many that AI brings about dehumanizing effects Mm. and marginalizing effects. And it's good that we know about this and and we are studying these effects, but I wonder, okay, so what do we do now? Yeah. Because the tendency that we have in general, in many fields from into to military even, or to constructions, or even to climate, is just to sprinkle a bit of AI in it, because then it's then it's good, because it's necessarily progressive, so to say. While I think we need also to think, what does it mean to sprinkle that AI in? What kind of impacts would it bring? Mm. But besides that, what I'm trying to say is that I'm really focused on Figuring out how we can bring in topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and an and intersectionality in the development of AI, which are all facets of social justice, yeah, and they have to do with responsible design, and they have to do also with the fact that to go maybe towards that direction, we need speculation and changing narratives and awareness, but I'm really focused on what we need to make sure that the many people that are involved in the development of this technology can be aware and can take action in their day-to-day work exactly okay. and there's not much there so that's what i'm trying to do and that's where i'm 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 now i've gotten a prize from NWO, which is the Dutch science organization that usually provides funds to research. And they gave me this prize about diversity, equity, and inclusion because I had a collective of people working on that. Congratulations. We, thank you. And I will use that money together with my colleagues that are part of this collective to create a social justice network of people working in technology, specifically in AI, to figure it out how we can tackle the issue and how we can do it practically in our processes and and practice.
0: That's really wonderful. Last question, maybe last question, who would be your absolutely dream partner in this project? What Hmm. would be the absolute, like aiming for the stars kind of? (laughs) That's
1: a good point. So for me, actually, I would like to have a lot of societal organizations Involved, mm-hmm. and by societal organizations, I mean, for example, in the Netherlands, there are collectives that are looking at racial equality. Like, if I'm not mistaken, Netherlands wordt beter. And sorry mm-hmm. for my pronunciation, which oh, really to, good, <laughs> wow. which really has to do to tackle the the racial tensions that has that there have been something important in our society, but quite hidden, mm-hmm. because like many other European societies, we had had colonies, but we never dealt with decolonization. And yeah. what does that mean for the people involved? And these are things that are impacting the way we develop technology. The other thing could be associations of LGBTQA plus people, Mm-hmm. Because most of the time, technology and AI technology that is designed has a tendency to gen make the the the, the interaction gendered somehow, yeah, and also misgender and and create even more like dysphoria than than it's necessary. All these type of associations are for me the top of my list. They are the ones that are. The most important to actually think about social justice. The only way is to provide space and to to actually listen to to them in the in the process. And it's very hard because participation is not a fix, and it's not just about participation, but it's about supporting certain parts of society to take action and and deal with these power structure and social technical stru- structures. From within instead of just being called.
0: And it's also one of your six principles to really get people involved and different voices involved, right? Yeah. So if people listening who would like to reach out to you on this topic or about any other topic that we've discussed, where can we find you online? Well, nowadays I'm trying to
1: hide from online (laughs) or from the line word because I find it extremely fatiguing mm. but despite that I, I do have, as all the academics have, a Twitter account
0: Yes, and I'm, I'm
1: active enough that I am lurking what other people are doing at the moment and not particularly contributing. And also I used to have an, an Instagram account that was a bit more active than it is now.
0: I will make sure to, to post all the links. Yeah, Yeah. okay. And we can also find you, I I guess, on the website of the University of Twente, right?
1: Absolutely. Both
0: the University of Twente and the website of the design
1: lab of the University of Twente. Okay,
0: awesome. I want to thank you for your time, for your insights, and I hope that we can follow you online, that you you (laughs) post something sometimes online. I'm wishing you all the best with the projects. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sabine. Thank
1: you for inviting me here.
0: For more information, links and show notes, visit scientificimagination.org.